You were listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 87. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and as always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you here for the next 30 minutes. I am super pumped. For this episode, I think I say that about every one of the episodes, and I'm not sure if I made a huge deal about this being episode 87 last week, but I have come to the realization that I started numbering my episodes wrong in the show notes a while back ago, and there is some very convoluted (laughs) number system going on. Uh, If I go over and just look at them in iTunes, there are quite a lot of uh, let's see, I think I got 277s, and I think that's really what started it. I definitely skipped the number 82, definitely skipped the number 86. So what's funny is I feel like I've got them set up right in my Trello board with all my notes. Even when I get down to 65, then it goes to 66, oops, skip 67, no number at all on the October 5th show. So I'm going to be going back through and organizing those at some point, but I'm not going to do it at 10.40 at night on a, two, on a Monday. It's late. And I'm getting this in because it's time. And I totally enjoy what this topic is going to be bringing to you. Um, I've titled it in my show notes, Don't Ask for Help Right Away. So to jump beyond what I just said about not asking for help right away, I think it's been a while since I've asked for help with the show. So if you listen to me on iTunes, please... Go over there, subscribe, rate, review. I know for a lot of my listeners, you're coming at me from iHeartRadio and Spotify and Stitcher, so you may not even have an Apple account. If that's the case, then by all means, you don't have to do anything. But if you happen to, for some reason, listen to me on those Apple devices on one of these other apps, and I get a ton of y'all from Spotify but you have an Apple account, just jump over there. Throw me a handful of stars. Say some nice things. Because the Apple algorithm is not kind to people who don't get some love. <laughs> and I'd really love to hear from you. I started up a College Success Habits Instagram account a while back ago and realized I was stretching myself too thin and I really just didn't want to be operating three different Instagram accounts. Uh, I have a sobriety to Reco- my from sobriety to recovery podcast, where uh, it's it's nearing 10k on the follower count. I at one point had taken beyond 10k, but as you all know, uh, who if you're on Instagram a lot, is that uh, people follow unfollow. So a bunch of people follow. I don't feel like following back, and then they walk. So such is life. Not my fans, anyways. So. Uh, anyways, that account is whatever that account is. I've, I've been posting some stuff over there intermittently. Same with Jesse Mogul, but by all means, if you want to reach out about a particular topic, then go to the DMs on Instagram. I recently had released my Wise Mind Empowerment coaching program, so if you really like the things I talk about, if you're totally into 
learning why it is I talk the way I do and why it is I, I enjoy the topics that I do. I created an entire program that specifically goes into what I like to consider some of my greatest hits on communication, how to respond emotionally grounded rather than in a reacting emotionally triggered, understanding the how expectations lead to disappointment, understanding the 14 uh, laws of personal growth and development, understanding how you re- how you uh, you create your own reality. And I'm going to be getting into some of these topics over the next few weeks just because uh, from what I've learned, and I'm a little hesitant to do this, but I definitely know that it's time that if you want to do what I do in this world and coach and train and speak, then you have to talk about the things that you create. You know, when I first launched the, both of my podcasts, I really didn't want to come off salesy. But in the art of wanting to just bring tremendous value and offer my knowledge and help those overcome you know, emotional traumas and emotional um, reactions and you know, get their mental acuity on point and work on their physical fitness, I have left behind that part where there are a lot of people who want to know more about how to get involved in what it is I do, and then I don't talk about it, and then no one knows, and then, well, that just does a complete disservice. So for those of you out there who are you know, aspiring entrepreneurs and people who want to run their own business or be a leader, be a mentor, be someone who others turn to for support and guidance, you will often come up against the same thing that I have been challenged by, which is being comfortable announcing to the world what it is that you do. And it's not even the rejection. I almost said, and being comfortable with the rejection. I don't care about the rejection. I'm good with the rejection. That's, that, that, is, that clearly tells me that the person who said no is not, you know, does not want to be a member of my tribe. They're not my people, as uh, you might hear it being said. And that's great. It's the not even saying anything when you would want to offer something to the to the community when you want to be of service. And then sometimes it's you know simply asking for help like do you know somebody who would like to understand more about how it is they create their own world and how the words you use create your world. They don't describe your world and so there's a lot of things we're going to talk about, not tonight, not at 1045. I have been working on this all day, and the topic that I've been pressing me to discuss with you all for quite some time is what the title, at least while I'm shooting this episode, I think this is the title. We'll see if that's what happens in about 35 minutes when I'm editing the podcast. But right now, the working title is Don't Ask for Help Right Away. And I think this is important because as a coach and someone that people do turn to, I often find people asking me questions about things that a simple Google search would give them the answer to. I'll get text messages from people. Be like, hey, do you know how to do this thing on this software? Or hey, do you know how to do this particular thing? Like, I'm a coach. I help people understand how physical fitness will change their life radically in an amazing way. I help people uh, keep their mental acuity sharp by not letting the stress and anxiety that emotions can bring out fog their mind. I help people understand their emotions so they don't get emotionally triggered and they can stay grounded and be present in conversations. I help people really refine their 
morals and ethics and their values so they come from a place of humility and gratitude and integrity like there's a lot of things i am very skilled at being your freaking google is not one i want to be skilled at <laughs> i don't and it boggles my mind when people send me text messages i'm like you realize that you could have just literally texted that exact same question into google like does google need to have a class on how to use google am i I'm not the only person who realizes what keywords are, right? Like, There's not a thing I have wanted to know in years that I have not been able to find it on Google. I just figured out how to reconnect MailChimp so that when people opt in for a manual or opt in to give me their email address, they can get this lead, this, this, uh, lead magnet I created for uh, real estate. Like, It's a whole different thing outside of this podcast. But it's like a simple Google search, and I had the answer two minutes later. Like, what what do I expect other people to be Wikipedia? So don't ask for help right away. The frustration you feel when you don't know how to do something and you're seeking to figure it out, when you feel frustrated, that means a breakthrough is coming. And let, let me explain this a little bit more, because in my coaching circles and with my peers, we have taught enough things. We, we, have, we have run enough seminars. We've attended enough seminars. When you have a frustration or a confusion inside of yourself and you notice that like inside your internal body temperature starts to heat up, it does that because there, you, this frustration, there was an expectation that you knew how to do something. There was an expectation that you were going to be able to understand something effortlessly and easily. And then when that doesn't happen, when the expectation is not met, by yourself, mind you, this is all internally, then this frustration or this confusion heats you up. But that means that a breakthrough is coming. If you can calm yourself down in that moment when you start to feel heated up, that's when you can just simply do a Google search. You can go out and you can find the answer. This will change so much about what you think and see and feel about yourself. You want to be able to get comfortable in your uncomfortability when you don't know how to do things. Settle into that frustration. Settle into that confusion. When you want to overcome this anxiety and you want to learn something new, you can easily slide your mind into this place of a, of a daydream alpha state. And then think and daydream about yourself being better, being really good about seeing yourself overcoming this, this what will amount to, in hindsight, being a very minor hurdle. Oftentimes, the things that people will turn around and ask others for help are things that if you just settled into it for five or ten minutes, maybe longer, maybe shorter. But it's, it's in using those critical thinking skills that really gets our brains to stay fresh and hopped up and ready to go. Like there's an internal like dopamine serotonin release thing that goes on when you figure something out on your own. If somebody just if you just lean over, hey, how do I copy and paste? Yeah, uh, you know, control C, control V, thanks. You, there's no satisfaction there. If you gotta figure out like the other day, I wanted to figure out how to find the trademark and the copyright symbols on my my MacBook Pro. And so I just Googled, you know, MacBook Pro keyboard copyright symbol. Boom, there it was. You know, same question, just 
put trademark symbol instead of copyright symbol, and boom, there it was. I couldn't tell you right now how to find those because I don't need to know how to find those because Google exists. There is certain information that has been relegated to the I don't ever need to remember that pile. I do not need to remember the copyright and trademark symbols on a keyboard. How often am I going to use those things? And as soon as I need them again, Google at the rescue. And actually, I went ahead and saved the symbols in a note file so that if I ever found my computer offline, I could still do it. I know. Notes app. It is amazing. So when you allow your critical thinking skills to step in and you figure things out on your own, you get this dopamine release. You get this happiness that says, oh, I can figure things out. And when you set into the anxiety, rather than starting to see the solution opportunity in front of you, but instead you see the problem, and so many people do this, you focus on the problem and you don't focus on the solution opportunity. Oh, there's five people around me. Somebody knows where the copyright symbol is. Why should I try to find it on my own? They got their own thing going on. And if you, and I think I did an episode on the Pomodoro technique um, I really do think I did. Maybe it was on my other podcast, Everything's Interesting with Jesse Mogul, a long time ago. But the Pomodoro Technique is this idea that was invented by some dude from Spain a while back ago where he used a timer, a kitchen timer, shaped like a tomato. And he gave himself 25 minutes to work and then five minutes away from the computer. And then he would just do that all day long. And that's how he stayed focused and in the zone. When I first read about that, I thought, oh, this is really just to remind you not to pick up your cell phone, not to answer the phone, not to go talk to somebody while you're in flow. You need to be working on something for a good 10 or 15 minutes for your brain to settle into that activity and really get you into flow. It's why I disagree with the Pomodoro method and of the 25-minute variety. There's another version where you work 45 minutes straight and you take 15 minutes off. I think that flow, once you're in it, can allow you to really just flow through your work for hours on end. But generally, when I'm working on a project, if I come to a clearly defined endpoint of that piece of work, of that task, I'll stop and go do some physical activity for 15 or 20 minutes or take a break from it altogether for an hour or two and go get something to eat or go work out at the gym or go walk around the block. And when I say work out at the gym, I mean work out upstairs in my loft because I don't have gyms open because I live in Southern California. You get my point. You can decide on your own how long you'll work and you don't need a timer to tell you. But when you start to feel like there's a little fog or your reaction time is a little off, then it's time for a break. But there is no such thing as is um, multitasking. It's called task switching, and it takes you out of flow. So let me go back to why I brought this up to begin with. If you start yelling across the computer lab, if somebody knows where the damn copyright key is, they're working on getting in flow. They do not need you breaking them from it. So focus on getting your own answers. Don't ask for help right away. Settle into it. Right? And here's what I like to call the 15-minute rule. Do not allow the fear of messing up to stop you from going into solution mode. You don't even know what the solution is until you find it, and then you don't even know if it's going to be wrong until you apply it. It's 
without trying something. So you're going to ask somebody else how to solve a problem you have. That's based off of their perspective and their point of view. What if that's not the same point of view? What if they start giving you answers that work for them but that don't work for you? Or you ultimately end up doing their suggestion and then you get to the end result and you're like, well, that's not really what I wanted it to turn out to be. Well, then you should have asked other people to help give you the answers that you could have figured out on your own. Don't allow the fear of messing up to stop you from going into solution mode. Just come up with a solution. Hell, come up with five. You know, don't ask for help on on the kind of font you could use or the time of day you should work out or when you should study. Just experiment on your own. You know when you're asking for help and it's like, okay, is this something I legitimately don't know that I can't find off of a Google search? If I'm trying to change up my diet, that's my nutrition strategy. Do I go straight to one of my friends and be like, hey, like people do this to me all the time. Let me just give you a real world example. People know that I'm very much into physical fitness. They know that I am very good at manipulating my nutrition strategy, a.k.a. the diet. I don't call it a diet anymore because it's got the word die in it. And I read an article somewhere that people have this horrible internal negative connotation to the word diet. Definitely think they do because people have been using the word diet since the 80s and so many people get on them and it doesn't work. So I call it a nutrition strategy. Very simple change of words. It's got a whole different energy around it. You should try it sometime. So you want to find a new a new nutrition strategy. The only problem with calling a diet nutrition strategy is when you want to say new nutrition strategy, you have new new there, and it's very, very much a tongue twister. <laughs> so I'll have people call me up and be like, hey, I'm thinking about changing my nutrition strategy, and I'm not really sure what I should do. What, which one do you think's best? I'm like, well, which ones do you know about? Ah, uh, you know, I mean, not none of them really. I mean, I think there's one called keto, and then I think there's one where you don't eat sugar anymore. I mean, just tell me what you know about them. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? You haven't done any research at all to know which one's best for you based on your movement, your body weight, your height, your age, your race, any of this stuff. You Nothing. Nothing. You think that me, as a mid-40-year-old white dude who is three and has been relatively uh, ectomorphic, I think is what it's called, where I'm basically just naturally skinny, although I could definitely get a dad bod pretty easily if I didn't put so much effort into it. I'm like, you think I'm going to know how to answer your question about what your nutrition strategy should be when you're a 31-year-old mother of three who works at an office who sits around all day? Like, I, sorry, my expertise really just works out for dudes who are around my height. (laughs) So I was a personal trainer for a while, and I honestly just got frustrated with people not just simply following the nutrition guidelines I handed out to them, let alone the workout. So I did study a lot of this, and I do, but it doesn't mean that I'm an expert in this field. I have a general knowledge of it that's worked for me. I don't think that I necessarily have all the answers for you. But if you come to me with at least some modicum of research under your belt, I will be much more willing and able to give you some further, deeper knowledge of it based on my own experiences and what people have told me. But don't come at me not having done any research because I'm not your Google and I'm not your Wikipedia. Don't be afraid of messing up if that means it's holding you back from solution mode. 
When you get stuck on a problem, you simply spend 15 minutes on it and write down all of these things that you have tried to do as solutions. And if you go to write down what you've tried to do as a solution and you don't have anything to write down, then you are definitely in the position to not ask for help yet because you haven't tried anything. This is a real problem in our society where people would rather just turn to the person next to them or turn to someone who may not even know. And look, this goes with the internet too. Sometimes people will Google and like the first thing that pops up, it's like, I have, you know, um, I feel a, um, I feel like I have a knot in my knee and then they Google that and then WebMD pops up and it turns out they've got like a, you know, uh, an African, you know, farm beetle living underneath their leg, but they don't, but they definitely typed in something that brought that up. And rather than just taking 15 minutes to think, okay, what might this not be? Oh, yeah, yesterday I whacked my knee on the coffee table. No, now they're on a website telling them that they have little African farm beetles living underneath their leg. That is not a position you want to find yourself in. Not the African farm beetles really being in your leg, but being told that that's what happens when you don't have it. Now, I was raised on a farm. Occasionally, we did get ticks in us. And so there was a, a general need for information about that. In pre-internet days, the best we could come up with was asking somebody who lived next door to us a mile away what we could do to get a tick out of us. And the best answer they had was spark up a match, whip it out so that it goes away, and then take that hot match head and stick it on the skin where the tick has latched himself on. I will tell you what, having a tick in your leg and then at the same time having to burn your skin to get the tick to release is not a fun three minutes. <laughs> and in that situation, asking your neighbor for help when you generally don't know is not a bad idea because this was pre-internet days. But it, it wasn't like you was, we had tried other things, tweezers. And anyway, I'm not going to get too gross on the tick thing because some people think that those things are gross and they are, they're sick. It's like, it's like mosquitoes, but they actually are seeable. It's disgusting. 15 minutes, take some time, write some things down. Notice how quickly I tried to segue away from the tick. That's the last time I'll say that word, tick. No more saying that word, I promise. 15 minutes, write down some solutions. Think about what it is you can figure out on your own. And when the feelings of anxiety start to overwhelm you in that moment, remember this. The brain feels anxiety and excitement at the same wavelength. They travel down the same superhighway in the brain. So what you're feeling may not actually be anxiety. It could actually be the excitement of the frustration leading you to a breakthrough. And if you choose to see it that way, then that's how you will actually see it. The words you use to describe what's going on isn't actually what's going on. Someone next to you might actually be super excited that they get to discover how to find the trademark key on their, on their keyboard. And you might be sitting over there freaking out because this is 35 seconds trying to figure out the trademark key that you could be spending doing other parts of the project. Either way, one of you is freaking out, the other one is cool, calm, and collected. Which would you rather be? So when you feel anxiety, which is generally kept inside the belly, just close your eyes and visualize this anxiety as this light ball like of, of energy. 
right? So normally we'd picture anxiety as sort of like this black ball of gunk. Reminds me of like the evil spaceship that was coming to attack everybody in the fifth element. That's what we could see anxiety as. Well, start to brighten it up and turn it into like this orange ball of sun. And then take your hand, again, you're just visualizing all this, and then just move this brand new orange ball of sun that was in your belly, just bring it right up through your breastbone, and then just release it into your heart. It's a visualization exercise I teach my clients when they want to go from being emotionally charged to emotionally grounded. Picture that negative energy, which usually houses itself in your belly as anxiety. It's usually dark. Feel it as this ball of lightful energy and then just take your hand and your palm and just bring it up to your chest. And now it can be excitement because the body doesn't know the difference. The brain is just internalizing something external and turning it into something internal based on the way you're choosing to see it. See this 15 minutes that you're going to take to not ask someone to help as exciting. Turning her over and asking someone for help is going to be an option. If at the end of the 15 minutes, you still haven't figured it out. I mean, if you're trying to figure out quantum fusion, I totally get it. You might want to ask the dude across the hall. You might want to ask the young woman who's, who does work next to you. That's fine. It's quantum fusion. I'm not even sure what the hell quantum fusion is. I think it was the whole uh, premises for the movie The Saint. I could be wrong. I just remember Elizabeth Shue and Val Kilmer being in it. And that was a really cool combo. Point being is that some things are easier to solve than quantum fusion, physics, whatever. Those are the things you should be figuring out on your own because critical thinking skills are extremely important in this day and age because we are in the middle of the information age. And when every single piece of human knowledge that has ever existed is at your fingertips, merely a Google away. And you know Google's super popular because they've turned into a verb. When Google it becomes an actual thing, that tells you people are Googling things. So try it. And then just make sure the website isn't some wacky website that some moron put together that tried to convince you that you got a bunch of critters living underneath your skin when all you really wanted to find was the trademark key. <laughs> so that's my 15-minute rule. Do not ask for help right away. Take your time. I swear and I'll leave you on this. I feel like it was something that's grown into us as kids. Because we're kids and we're trying to figure something out. It's like, Mom, I can't figure this out. Dad, I can't figure this out. Right? And when you're young, that sort of kind of makes sense because, you know, asking like a three-year-old to figure out how to open a jar of peanut butter or, you know, use a butter knife to spread jam on bread, it may not be the best situation. You know, and honestly, you'll probably end up just cleaning up their mess anyways. So parents just go ahead and answer all the questions that the kid has. And again, in those terrible twos and those wacky O threes, when everything's why, 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 I totally get why we answer questions. But don't allow that programming from that age of your life to become who you're behaving like when you start getting into your, you know, actual adult age years. You're not a three-year-old anymore. You have fingers. You definitely have a phone. Use them. Don't ask for help right away. Take 15 minutes. Come up with a list of solutions that could solve your problem. And look, if it's a trademark key, you don't even have to come up with a list. Open up the Google and type in where on my MacBook is the trademark key, and then you'll have the answer three seconds later. It literally was at the top of the Google thing. It wasn't even hard to find. 
Figure out inside yourself, you'll know the answer to this question. Is what I need help with something I could merely figure out on my own in less than a minute or two? Or is this something that's really stumped me I need to turn to the teacher or professor for help with? I can assure you, you will, ha- you will get way better results from the professors when you turn to them for, with questions that you seek an answer for when they know that it's something that you've already tried to solve on your own. But if you keep coming to them, asking them where ridiculous crap like trademark keys are, are on a keyboard, they're going to get frustrated with you. And honestly, as much as we'd like to believe that people shouldn't get frustrated with us when we ask questions we could have easily solved on our own, we are humans, and part of the human experience is being annoyed by people. Stepping above that human experience is discovering ways within yourself to stay emotionally grounded so somebody asking you a dumbass question doesn't set you off emotionally triggered. And if nothing else, just turn to him and go, Have you ever heard of Google? And then just go back on your merry way, preferably with some earphones in, so you won't even hear them the next time, regardless. That's all, folks. I hope you loved it. Look at us. Getting you out in under 30 minutes. Don't ask for help right away. Think about the 15-minute rule. Google it. Figure it out on your own. And if all else fails, call up Elizabeth Shue. She figured out quantum fusion. Come on. You can obviously figure out where a trademark key is. All right, my friends, until we meet again next week, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Take care of yourselves. See you next week. Bye-bye.